Welcome to the Ritual House Podcast, a show about the rituals we practice, the new ones we create, and the many ways rituals help us live deeper, more meaningful, and more connected lives. I'm your host, Tova Leibovic Douglas, and allow me to be the first one to say, welcome home. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Ritual House. Tova here. And it's been a minute since we started this journey together. And I wanted to do a solo episode, a mini solo episode to share a little bit about what I'm thinking spiritually these days in this moment. So I hope you enjoy it. We've been in the rhythm of podcasting pretty regularly since October 7th, actually. This podcast, while I've been eager for it to begin, for some reason wasn't actually able to start until October 7th happened. I wonder about that a lot, the before October 7th and the after October 7th. That's how I think a lot of people I'm close with look at the world, be it folks who live in Israel, folks who live in Palestine. Jewish people, lots of Muslim people, people who are activists, people who are empaths, people who are somehow connected to this conflict's not even the right word to this. I've used the words nightmare. It doesn't feel right either. It feels like at some point we will look at this moment. I don't know when that point will be. And we will be like, that was the beginning of when everything changed in our world. And my hope is the change for better eventually. I know right now it's just destroying itself and feels like we should be at rock bottom, even though we're not yet at rock bottom. Recovery language. I think some of you may know this. I worked in recovery for a long while. And um, it's really hard when you're working in recovery because I worked as a spiritual counselor with folks. And it was hard because sometimes you just had to really witness even the person that was in recovery actively choosing to get sober and live a life of recovery. Sometimes they still didn't hit rock bottom, meaning they they weren't ready to build up. And it, it was really hard because you just sort of can witness this person like want to do the work, but maybe not emotionally or spiritually ready or or something. I know a lot of my colleagues would say they are choosing to not do the work. And that's part of it too. But I actually think there was something there that like, they hadn't just been self-destructive enough to choose themselves to build up. I relate to this. I'm not just saying a them versus me. Look at me sitting in my chair, not needing any recovery. Nope. I need recovery just like the next person. I think we all do in some way. But um, sometimes we're not really willing to see ourselves to do the work that we need to do, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, holistically speaking, physically speaking, until we have destroyed ourselves enough. And I think as a society right now, like I keep thinking, have we hit the rock bottom? Like, and I actually have a friend that I text this to and she's like, we're close. (laughs) And it's like, we've been close for a while, but I think we're really close right now. We can all feel that. We can all sense it. And um, it's hard to live through, right? It's hard to live through because 
What are the choices when living through this? Especially, listen, if you're in it, like you're in the destruction and the violence, the choice is to survive and to find a way to survive in whatever way you can. That's the choice. But when you're not in the violence, if you're kind of far away and life is quasi-normal, well, it's hard to know how to be because it's like, can I just enjoy this cup of coffee? Yeah, like I need to enjoy this cup of coffee. Actually, that's necessary for me. That's necessary actually arguably for the world because like if I'm just sitting here with a cup of coffee crying and being self-destructive because the world is imploding, that doesn't help the world not implode. And it doesn't help me be a person who can be helpful in that implosion, right? So the coffee and the mindfulness is paramount to all of it. But how do you do that while also holding the pain and the brokenness that people are experiencing in the world, that the earth is experiencing in the world? How do do you do both? How do you hold both? And I think that might be what we're tasked to do right now as a people. We are tasked to find a way to hold all of it, hold the darkest of darks, the lightest of lights, and how sometimes maybe through the darkest of darks, we find the lightest of lights. And that's often how it works, isn't it? It's the things that are hardest that sometimes help us find that spark within us. I know for me, when I felt like I was dying, and I really did think I was dying, physically, emotionally, spiritually speaking, this was after my second child was born and I had an infection and they didn't know why and they didn't know how to help it. And I wasn't in the hospital dying, but I was at home and I couldn't move. And I really felt like, oh, this might be the end. And it was at that moment where things were falling completely apart, like I was just completely unraveled. My body had just been through so much. I had two tiny humans that I didn't feel like I had capacity to take care of. I was, I'll label it postpartum, so hormonally and emotionally and psychologically not the way that I like typically operate, but there was something spiritually that was dying too. And it was in this moment of like extraordinary grief and pain and brokenness that I started to feel that all the things that I cared about up until that moment, all the things, I mean, like I was in rabbinical school, I cared a lot about Judaism and religion and spiritual leadership and learning and all those things, which were true. I had a lot of, lot of like joy for all those things and care and commitment and passion. I felt like I wasn't living them. I was sort of reading them and like mimicking them. But I wasn't actually really connected to a higher power, to divine. I mean, I was, but I wasn't. And it was in that moment post, you know, actually while I was working in recovery as well, where I started to really reconnect with divine, with God, with ritual life, and with myself. And I do think that perhaps that was all possible if life had just sort of gone swimmingly for me. Like maybe that's possible. It it happens for some people. But I want to argue that sometimes you actually just like need that hardship, that pain to actually find that divine spark within, like our inner strength really, and that connection to something beyond. And I'm thankful every day for that rock bottom 
despite how painful it was and how hard it was on my family and the repercussions of that moment for my family and like rebuilding from that, all those things, I'm grateful for them. And I just wonder if we could apply that logic to this moment in our chaotic times that we dwell, that perhaps it's the hard, the really deep, dark, hard, the pain, the brokenness, the death, the destruction, the worst kind of death, that like that horrendous nightmare is where we will find our way as a society. And we will have to like reel from it and deal with it and address it and be with it. I'm not saying it's a snap of the fingers. It's going to be a lot of inner spiritual work. It always is. But that it's quite possible for us to shift collectively. I have a lot of people in my life who can't really see the Palestinian people right now. They're just in too much pain, too much trauma response. It's just not possible for them to. I have people in my life who can't see the Jewish struggle right now. It's too much. And then there's people that are not in my life, thank goodness, because I really try to avoid people like this, <laughs> although they're in my feed, who seem to not be able to lean into how each people, how each life matters in this moment and how everyone is suffering. Nonviolent movements that have shifted the world have a premise of really walking the walk as if each person is created in the image of divine, as if each person is a unique holy soul, as if each person has a divine spark within them, regardless of where they're at. Meaning that even the quote unquote enemy of the moment has godliness within them. And that's the truth. That's the spiritual truth. And that's most spiritual traditions. Each soul is precious. Each tree is precious. The earth is precious. Like that, it, that is the spiritual truth, regardless of any sort of man-made religion that is like placed upon it. And I love my personal man-made religion, Judaism. Like I love it a lot. But like, if you strip away all the stuff, which is quite beautiful, but you strip it away, at, at the end, there is this like essential truth that is about the connection that we have to one another, that we are interconnected beings that we belong to one another. And if we cannot actually walk in the world with that spirit and commitment, we will not end this. And I believe we will end this. I have to believe that. I have to believe that. I have children. I have to believe that. So I know it feels impossible for a lot of us listening right now. Like it's it's impossible. It's like, what do we do? I don't have a political solution. I know that drives a lot of people crazy. Ah, tell us what to do. What's the, I don't have one because like what we have to do right now has never been done. We've never done it collectively, certainly not in the history that we know of. So we are doing it right now together, collectively, finding ways to hit rock bottom so that we can see one another. And maybe, maybe those of us that are on here and um, certainly many other people in the world are already doing that. We're already living that truth. So how do we live it out more explicitly? I don't know. Maybe that's the assignment for this week for all of us. How do we be in a conversation when someone is saying something like, oh, it's hopeless or, oh, what are you going to do? The war is inevitable. Maybe it's a moment to have the courage to say to that person, and it does take courage. I don't care what anyone says to say, I don't think war is inevitable. I think we have to do it differently. 
I think it takes courage for Palestinians right now. And I I can't ask that of them, right? So I want to like name this is like not a fair ask, but I think it's the way forward to see the Israeli soldier with a divine spark. It's certainly on the Israeli soldier to see the Palestinian child, mother, father, brother, sister as a divine spark. But it's also up to the Palestinian to see that soldier who is also a father, potentially mother, daughter, son, etc. That each one of us is a child of God, and that is the inherent truth. We're all in pain. We're all scared. We're all traumatized beings, and we're all reenacting things, some of the things that don't even belong to us. Some of, a, some of the things belong to our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents or our great-great-great-grandparents. And like, here we are just reenacting something that's like, not ours. And we're part of these systems that are just beyond us. Patriarchy, white supremacy, capitalism. Listen, and I'm I'm not saying these to say like, tear it down, burn it down. I actually, I'm not a burn down kind of person, but we have to find a way through. Wishing you a moment this week, one moment where there is infinite clarity to our collective purpose and moment where you can see Beyond all the isms, beyond all the binaries, beyond all the feed, you know, the Instagram feed that you're on, that you're like connected to that tree stump that once was a tree, to that flower, to that sky, to that bird, to that enemy. And that like we belong to one another. If we do not find it together, we won't find it at all. Ritual helps us do that. And that's why I'm doing this. It helps us connect to ourselves and to something beyond us and to all that matters. Thank you again for being here, for sharing this podcast, for listening, for subscribing, for doing all the things I'm super grateful to have you. For a ritual this week, my invitation is to do what I like to call as a candle unity ritual. What does that look like? So I want you to intuitively do this. There's going to be two options. One option is to pick a candle, preferably a new one or a special one, one of those two. So like either find a candle that's in your home already that you're like, ooh, this is a beautiful candle. I really like it. And I, I love the smell and I love how it makes me feel. So find a candle like that or a new one. And it could be tea lights. It doesn't have to be anything special or expensive. If you're doing the one candle, then light that one candle. And I want you to really look into that flame. I want you to see yourself as that flame, see the potential fire and light that you have within you that you can spread out to the world. See that candle as oneness. See that candle as you and see that candle as everyone else, as humanity, as the trees, as the water, as the insects. See that light in that candle as being you and being everyone else. And set a timer and just really stare into that flame and really think about that light and fire that you want to spread to the world. The good kind of fire, the warmth that you wanna take in and the warmth 
that you want to put out. I do this little candle ritual with my children and sometimes we'll put on a song or we'll sing while doing it. And often we're just really quiet for about a minute. That's about all my kids can handle and really all I can handle sometimes. So allow yourself what feels intuitively right. You can let that candle burn for a little bit while after. So it could be a reminder if you're in your home or you can burn it out, uh, blow it out, just saying, you know, the ritual is over now. Option two, take two little tea lights. And if you are feeling the division of the moment and you are feeling specifically drawn to the Israeli-Palestinian moment, then the invitation is actually to imagine each candle as a different subgroup of people. Of course, people are more expansive than a candle in all the ways. And of course, we are all more expansive than that. But for the sake of this ritual, light each candle and send the light to those people. Imagine that candle being their light and imagine sending that light. And a beautiful way to add on to that ritual is to actually take two more tea lights or one more candle and take the light that you just lit and light one candle together if you can do that logistically and if not, two other tea lights. And see that as a metaphor. Imagine each people lighting the other one's candle. Rituals help us connect to something greater than us. They might seem insignificant and small in the moment, but they are really vast in scale. Wishing you a week where you're taking really good care of yourself and seeing yourself as that beautiful light that you are. Take good care. Thank you for listening to the Ritual House podcast. Please be sure to follow the show on whichever platform you are listening to this right now so that you'll never miss an episode. And as we grow the show, we want to hear about the rituals that are meaningful to you. We invite you to share your ritual practices with us. You can DM us at theritual.house on Instagram or find us on our website, www.theritual.house. Also, as a new show, your feedback is really important to us. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? We'll see you back here next week to continue the ritual revolution. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a week filled with intention and attention. Take good care.